0: others in the room. Do we have any moms around here? Why don't you stand up for a moment? We want to honor you, give you a round of applause. That's right, everyone. Give it up for mom. Give it up for mom. This is your day. Hope you had brunch. You can have a seat. Uh, Hope you had brunch or something where you got to be celebrated by your family. Uh, We want to celebrate you tonight. So uh, just to start off, we'll let you know we're doing a raffle after the service. So if you are mom, make sure you get your ticket. As long as you got a ticket, we're going to be raffling off some prizes. We've got them hidden kind of behind the monitor right there. Nice little pink bags. It's good. You can tell that Jack and I didn't put those together because we're not that good with tissue paper. So welcome to Element City Church. My name is Lyle. I'm one of the pastors here. uh, So just want to say uh, welcome tonight. Uh, If you're joining us online, hello. I know my mom is watching online. So happy Mother's Day to you, mom. She's in Gilbert, Arizona. That's right. She tunes in every week, uh, and that's fantastic. For the rest of you who tune in, why don't you drop in the uh, chat? there where you're watching from tonight. Uh, There's a host that's there that also wants to connect with you, so if you have any questions, feel free to drop those in the chat as well. Um, For anyone who's new, uh, we've got an app, a church app. It's called the Element City Church app. That's in the Play Store. Uh, If you're on a Google device, it's in the Apple App Store. Feel free to get that. Uh, The nice thing about that app is that gives you uh, all the news, uh, lets you see sermon notes. It gets you a playlist to kind of see the songs that we do each and every week. Uh, So that's a great thing to have. Uh, Also in there, you'll find the connection card. So if you are new today, We want to meet you. We want to know who you are uh, in a really creepy way. You know, like we want to, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, But we do want to find out more about you and just hear your story. We'd love to hear how we as a church can connect with you, how we can serve you. Um, So that connection card just lets us do that. There's also the 10-minute party that's in the back. So feel free to join us at the 10-minute party. We're just going to have someone back there for 10 minutes. That doesn't mean you're stuck being there for 10 minutes, unless you want to talk a lot. Jack loves to listen. So you could talk for 10 minutes the whole time. He just wouldn't get to talk to anyone else. Maybe don't take all of his time. That wouldn't be... You can if you want, whatever. It's fine. You guys are a little quiet tonight. Are we good? We're good. All right, good. There we go. We just need some like low-hanging fruit questions, right? We'll just get some easy. How's everyone doing tonight? See, there we go. Now we're getting the interaction. That's what I was hoping for. That's that's so good. Uh, another way you can get the connection card to us, by the way, we're not done talking about it. You thought we were. Oh, you were wrong. So text us 520-340-6868. Again, that's 520-340-6868. Just text the word hello, uh, and we'll send you a link. That'll let you fill out the connection card as well. So let's all stand together. You're tired of hearing me try to make jokes that aren't landing tonight. So we're just going to go straight into uh, our service. We're going to sing a couple songs. Jack's got a, a sermon that he's prepared, especially for mothers. It's on anger. I'm just kidding. It wasn't really for mothers. I promise it wasn't from others. We're just continuing our Sermon in the Mount series. So ladies, it it is about anger. All right, I'm not gonna lie about that. Now you get to know what fathers feel like on Father's Day when it's always like, do better. So that's not really the heart though, I promise. I promise Jack will make sure it's not. So Church of the Week, this week is Hope City Church. We're gonna pray for them. They're Pastor Mark Cargill. So uh, let's pray for them. Let's pray for ourselves tonight and let's just ask God to move in power. So Lord, we come to you tonight excited for the, the work that you wanna do in our hearts. I pray that in this time, just in this next hour, a uh, little over an hour, God, would you uh, just give us a supernatural ability to focus in on the things that matter the most. Pray that you would help us to just forget about the stuff that, that doesn't matter right now, the stuff that, that wants our attention, that seeks our attention. And yet, if we're honest, they're the things that, that add to our anxieties. They're the things that keep us from remembering that you are with us. That's the most important thing, God. You are with us right now. Your presence is in this room. And so I'm praying for just a heightened awareness within all of us, God, that you're here, you're ready to move. And so we need to get our hearts in a place where they're ready to receive. That's what we do as we gather to sing these songs, is to to get to a place, God, as we come before you with thanksgiving, as we come before you with our praise. Uh, We wanna come into your presence with joy, with expectant hearts, ready uh, to receive what you have for us tonight. So God, would you move in power through your Holy Spirit in each and every person's life that's here right now. We lift up Hope Church to you and their pastor, uh, Mark. We uh, pray for vision for him. We pray for them as a church, just would you help them to be all that they were meant to be in the place that you've planted them here in Tucson. God, give them favor within their community. Give them uh, just wonderful ways that they can serve their community, that they can build their body. And just uh, as they they build themselves up, God, it would just result in this overflow that transforms the neighborhood that's around them, Lord. We pray that uh, you just continue to move in power uh, in them in the same way that we pray that you would move here tonight, Lord. So um, this is your church. This is your church. We're just, we play a small part of the Capital C church in this city. And we're we're grateful that we get to do our part. Um, So would you just help us all as churches to work together the way that you have called us to, to make an impact in this city the way that you want us to? And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen.
1: saving grace you're my hope in the shadows my strength in the battle my
2: perfect son of God, in all his innocence, walking in the
0: dirt with you
2: and me, he knows what living is,
0: he's acquainted with
2: our grief, a man of sorrow, son of suffering, a God who bleeds Oh, praise the one to God forever, glory to God forever, oh and ever. glory to God forever.
0: as we stand inside this moment all praise belongs to you we hail you as king and because you are the sovereign the mighty sovereign we submit to you as Lord if we're honest God that's difficult every single day to wake up and to lay ourselves down as your word says as living sacrifices there's so many days that I just I want to do things on my own I just watch as it slowly unravels and doesn't go the way that I ever hope it would. And yet your grace is so patient with all of us, God. That's our story. That's all of our stories. That we seek to live life according to our own rules. And yet even when it doesn't work out, you're, you're right there waiting for us, Lord. And so we thank you. We praise you for your incredible patience. And it's that kindness, God, that you show us that leads us to repentance, as your word says in Romans 4. That's that's what we want, God. We want that repentant heart that's quick to recognize, Lord, when we failed you, when we sought to do things our own way. We just want to get back into that relationship with you, with that sweetness, that tenderness that you always wanted us to experience in our relationship with you. So God, would you give us hearts like that tonight? Hearts to see where we need you, where we just need to invite you to step in and just to to clean up, God. We thank you that you're capable of doing that kind of work. So just in this moment, as we worship you, as we put all of our attention and all of our affection on you, God, would you be enough for us? Would we not look for fulfillment or anything in any other place just in these next few minutes, God? We give you all the space that you need to speak to us. And so we pray these things in Jesus' precious, his holy name.
3: Uh, thank you guys for being here tonight, uh, and happy Mother's Day to the, the moms in the room and the grandmas in the room, and those of you who are kind of spiritual mothers to people in our church, and uh, those of you watching online. Uh, we are picking up in the Sermon on the Mount, and I really wrestle with the sermon because as soon as I say this, it's going to be a disconnect. And this is what I wrestled with the last couple months as we set out this series, because murder fell on Mother's Day, and you're like, how do you make that a Mother's Day message? Well, you don't, Um, although, What mom has not had the thought in their head of like, I brought you into this world. Okay, so like, uh, and if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, like we know that saying and things. And so there's truth in that. And so we started this Sermon on the Mount series last week, and this is the first kind of phrase of this. There's six kind of little phrases that Jesus utters in here, and he kind of gives some examples. And the first one he goes back to, and he says, listen, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I'm going to tell you something. Different, something even more. And so that's what I want us to look into tonight. And, and I don't know how many of you have ever uh, had an anger moment that maybe you weren't proud of. Uh, maybe there's been dumb ones in your life. I remember as a senior in college at UVA, and uh, one of the greatest things that semesters ever had was uh, on my Tuesday, Thursday class, I had five sports classes because I needed five more credits. And so I was in the best shape of my life. I just took five sports classes every Tuesday and Thursday. And I went, like, I forget the end of them. But the, the last one was flag football. Let me emphasize flag football. So on the intramural flag football, I remember being out there one day. And I threw, as the quarterback, through an interception. And I lost it in my own mind. And I saw the person who intercepted the ball running down the sideline. And I just totally flew and took them out and took them off their feet, out of bounds, landing on top of them. It is flag football. I didn't reach for the flag. Um, And then I soon realized as I landed on top of him that he is bigger than me and I am dumb. Uh, I'm really dumb, and so I immediately backtracked and was like, oh, I'm profusely sorry, and like, just, I don't know what happened. But you had like one of those where your amygdala gets hijacked and like you're just doing stuff, you can't even think about what you're doing in that moment. And anger is one of those, those emotions that gets stirred up in us and and it's a way that where we can get mismanage the heat now we know how to manage heat if you've ever cooked in a stove anyone ever cooked in a stove you made something incredibly delicious i'm sure because you know how to work with heat but mismanaged heat like if anyone ever had a fire on top of the stove where you had to, like, get a fire extinguisher and put it out, okay? A couple brave people. Uh, and so in that, uh, you realize that is mismanaged heat. If you've ever had a fire pit out camping or so, you can make delicious s'mores with that. That's wonderful. But a mismanaged fire pit can burn down an entire forest, can it? We've seen that. And so there is this mismanagement of the heat within us that Jesus kind of gets at in these first couple, uh, looking at these first couple examples of the Sermon on the Mount. So just a quick reminder, the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most famous sermons of Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's a sermon he would have given many, many, many times as a traveling rabbi, and it kind of helps us understand what's the blessed life that God is calling us to live. And it's our hope as we meditate on this kind of sermon, on this Sermon on the Mount through the summer, uh, that we would kind of lean into it, and in a way, God would begin to shape and change and challenge us in the different areas of our own life, that we might become people who are more closely following after him and having his heart formed within us. See, the Sermon on the Mount is really declaring that here's the best way to have human flourishing, is to walk in the way of Jesus. And Jesus is going to challenge some things here. So, kind of a theology timeout here, flashback to the start of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus makes this radical statement where he says, Hey, your righteousness, meaning the ways that you live, need to be better than the Pharisees and scribes. Which, I know we don't live in that context. But you have to understand what that would have been like in that moment. That would have been like, see, the Pharisees and the scribes, they're like the religious do-gooders. They're like the people that are holier than thou. And so the average person who Jesus is talking to, for them to hear that phrase would have been like, I'm out. I'm I'm never going to be that good. Um, Because that's what they're comparing themselves. But Jesus is actually making a statement here where he's saying, your righteousness needs to surpass that. And guess what? It's impossible unless you're gifted righteousness. And I'm here to do that. That's what Jesus is setting up here, is that he is not only the savior, he's the arbitrator of what he's gonna dish out and what he's gonna make possible. He's declaring the original tent wasn't about just outward obedience, it was about a refining of an inner disposition and our inner intentions. See, Jesus can say, hey, the law says don't murder. And if you haven't done that, well, then good on you. But I'm going to get to something that's a little bit deeper than that. Because anger is actually what begins to take us on a trajectory where that becomes a possibility. But we actually can do a ton of damage with our anger. Jesus isn't just repeating the words of God. He's calling people toward uh, repentance and renewal. And he's actually making a bolder claim. See, no prophet or teacher would do this without uh, understanding the consequences of claiming to speak for God. Jesus is expanding the law of God. Here's what God said. Let me unpack actually what is meant in a deeper setting here. Jesus is actually declaring his deity throughout this whole entire sermon. as as he's declaring here was the statement. So he would give kind of three rebuttals here in these kind of these six examples that we'll look at in the coming weeks. So the first part would be, here's the Torah statement. Here's the the law that was given through the law of Moses. then Jesus gives an explanation of its true intent and then a practical application from it. And so here is Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, all about anger and murder, which is the original Torah intent. Here's what he says. You've heard it said from people long ago, and Jesus is going to say this phrase about six times in a row in these examples. You've heard it said, but I say to you, you've heard it said that people long ago, you should, now, you should not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to their brother or sister, Raka, or you idiot, is how it would be translated here, is answerable to the court system of the day. And anyone who says you fool is threatened with hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar before God, and there remember that your brother and sister has something against you, this is radical. You're to leave your gift and go make things right. You're gonna leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. This would have been a radical statement from Jesus because you would travel to Jerusalem to present your gift annually to God. And so like everything would be built up to this moment. And if you were to recognize that there's a wrong between you and someone else, what Jesus is saying is listen, Before you work on things with you and God, you go and make things right. That your horizontal relationships matter as much as the vertical relationship. This is radical statements from Jesus. Because most of us and most of humanity says, listen, I want to work on me and God. And we kind of ignore the realities of me and others. And where we push that to secondary, And and the truth, what Jesus is getting at is relationships matter. I want you to remember what he said, the most important commandment, love God and love others as yourself. And so there isn't one better than the other, there's the reality of both are needed. And that's what Jesus is making a radical statement here. Leave your gift. Go make things right with one another. Then come and bring your gift. See, killing is a terrible sin. We understand that. But anger is a great sin too because it violates God's love, his command for us to love. You cannot love someone that you're angry and ticked off at. Now, that doesn't mean I can't be upset or disappointed. Or or have strife or tension. This isn't that we never have tension or never have upset realities of our relationships. Anyone ever been upset before? Okay, so it isn't this idea of you can never get angry. What we're going to see throughout Jesus' statement, throughout the scriptures, what we see is it's what you do with that anger is that what matters, and that's what we need to see. Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter saying the real issue is what's underneath. It's not murders per se, that's wrong, yes we get it, but it's our heart and our inner disposition of the moral agent of who is going on within us. Jesus puts anger and murder in the same category. He saw a direct connection that we usually tend to deny. Yeah, he, he does this in the next little phrase. as He talks about adultery. And he says, listen, when you mismanage heat there and you let lust control you, then that begins to damage relationships. So don't let it control you. Don't let this get mismanaged. Don't let the heat that you have in anger or lust become mismanaged because it takes you to dark places and does damaging things. Being angry and insulting another person made in the image of God not just the outward physical act of murder is wrong. It's worthy of judgment, Jesus is saying. Fulfill righteousness. And the righteousness that surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees, a disciple of me, Jesus is saying, they've got to face their inner issues. They've got to come to grips. Because God doesn't want just perf- kind of this outward obedience. He wants a heart that begins to drive what our outward obedience and actions are. God's more concerned about our heart. Jesus is a prophet who's pulling back the veil of just an outward obedience kind of life. He's saying, no, no, this starts in the heart. And I want to talk about that. Our actions flow from our heart. We are a whole person. Our inner person attitudes impact our outward actions and behaviors. God desires to help us live in congruence and wholeness from the inside out. And this is different than a Western worldview that seems to promote that I can create my own reality or I can be a divided person between body and soul. And sometimes I even have to be in order to find fulfilled uh, enlightenment. And Jesus is saying, no, this is about congruence and about the wholeness of who you are and how I've created you. See, your identity is a gift. It's the full personhood of who you are. And from who you are will flow your actions. So mismanaged anger or mismanaged heat can lead to drastic and dangerous consequences for relationships, so mismanaged heat is a dangerous thing Jesus is saying. And if you just look at America over the last five years, how many of you would say, if I were just to assess the anger level of our culture around us, do you think it's risen a little bit? I think it has. In fact, Barnes did some studies even back into 2018, that's talked about people and their stress and their worry and their anger on the rise in reality. We have relational tensions. We have racial tensions. We have political tensions. We have a lot of things going on. We have people who have said, okay, COVID is a drastic challenge and I'm angry at anyone that wears a mask. We have other people that say I'm angry at anyone who doesn't wear a mask. That's the reality of what we've all had to navigate over the last couple of years. And, well, I read these studies, or I read these studies, and and everyone has an opinion. And anger just continues to go because you don't agree with me. And and therefore, we begin to label and put these things. You ask a Republican who the enemy is, and I guess, I, I bet, you'll figure out who they'll tell you. You ask a Democrat who the enemy is, and I bet they'll tell you. We live in a divided, anxious, angry, cultural moment. And that isn't going away. In fact, Raymond Novako, a psychology professor at UC Irvine, said this, we are living, in effect, in a big anger incubator. And I thought, that, that's reality. If you were to sum up, the last four or five years it's we live in a societal context that's living within an angry an anger incubator and, and it it kind of pockets up in certain ways and it rises up there surveys over the last few years have said this and talked about it and we can all see the effects of an anger incubator Um, Scott Sauls wrote a book called a gentle answer our secret weapon in an age of us against them I highly recommend it in it he said this while toxic anger destroys the good in order to promote evil healthy anger seeks to destroy evil in order to promote and protect the good toxic anger works against shalom the peace of God Instead of promoting a life as healthy anger does, toxic anger destroys and diminishes life. It's not restorative, it's retaliatory and punitive and vengeful and aggressive and unrestrained. Toxic anger doesn't leave things better, it actually makes things worse. And the reality, friends, is you and I Navigate a world context and a society reality that seems to promote a toxicity to anger. Anger is what gets noticed. Anger sells. Anger, the loudest voice, seems to get heard. And so, when we allow anger to push us, it can actually take us to some dangerous places, and we're seeing the effects of that. But Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 26, in your anger, do not sin. Like, how many of you have been angry before? That's everybody. It's an all-scape. Like, the reality is we're all there. Anger is not wrong, per se. It's what you do with it that can challenge us. Anger in and of itself is not necessarily a sin. The Bible tells us that even God gets angry. But watch out, the Apostle Paul says, you better find out what lies beneath your anger before it leads to something. For many of us, our problem is not anger. Our problem is what lies behind the anger. Some psychologists refer to anger as a secondary emotion even. It's often brought on by other things. Anger can flow from hurt. I would propose to you that when you see someone who's angry, you're actually seeing someone who's hurt. And and if we can get and deal with the hurt, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You have to mourn a hurt, you don't just tell people to get over it. It's not a band aid, it makes it go away magically. You have to actually walk with people through their grief and through the hurt. When people feel rejected or slighted by someone else or by a system or a structure or a reality of what goes around them, another root cause of anger is often frustration. When things can't seem to go my way, my schedule tyrannizes me, this shopping cart line hasn't moved in five minutes. How many of you have ever had a moment like that? Mm -hmm. Okay, so when my kids don't seem to listen, I feel helpless or frustrated, that can lead to anger beginning to stir within you, but it's really frustration that's behind that. Fear can trigger anger. We live in a cultural moment that seems to stoke fear in a lot of ways. Some necessary, But the reality is fear has a way of creating anger. Richard Walters, a psychiatrist, said this, people will be murdered today because of someone's anger. Others will die from physical ailments resulting from anger feelings that they carry around within them. Countless relationships die little by little as resentment gnaws away at the foundation of love and trust. Anger is a devastating force and its consequences should sicken us anger related to the destruction of human life in the spirit is an incredible national disaster. And see the scriptures speak about anger and my hunch is you've seen it in your own life. Proverbs 14:7, an angry person does foolish things. Anyone ever done something foolish out of their anger? Yeah. Proverbs 29:22, a hot-tempered person commits many sins. When we let mismanaged heat take over and take control of us, we tend to do a lot of damage around us. We are emotional beings. We have been created with emotions, and those are good things. And it's good for us to understand that. When we're happy, we smile. When we're sad, we cry. When we're mad, we scowl or frown or holler. We gnash our teeth. And whenever we have a moment, Right? I've had lots of those. Emotions aren't meant to be hidden or buried or stuffed, but they are meant to be expressed in a healthy God kind of way. And that's really what Jesus is getting at. You've heard murder's bad. Okay, we can all agree on that. I'm going to tell you something different. Anger is actually what begins to get us on a trajectory that takes us to dangerous places. Ephesians 4 says, In your anger do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry or give the devil a foothold. This isn't the idea that you have to solve every conflict before the sunset. But this is the idea of having a short shelf life to this anger and the tension that is that you want to work on that. Paul's acknowledging this reality that anger will sometimes be a part of what it is and what you want to do in that moment is not take it to a place where it becomes hurtful. You want anger to actually drive you to be helpful. It's a natural emotion. Isn't it interesting that the first display of human anger happened at home or at least between two brothers, Cain and Abel? Genesis chapter four, go read it. How many of you would say, it's my family that makes me angry faster than anybody else? Why is that? It's probably because it's the people who know you best. They know what buttons to push. You know what buttons to push. It's maybe because you have so much invested and you have so much expectation upon those relationships. Family can bring out the best and worst in us. Anger, in a lot of ways, when you recognize it, I want you to think that anger is like this warning light on the dashboard of your life. If you have a car and a warning light goes off, it catches your attention because something's not right. That's really what anger is trying to say to you and to me, that in an anger kind of moment, something's not right. Anger is a signal that something's not right with the world or with the situation or with the relationship or with me. And it may be something within me. Some of us have grown up in households or informed habits or patterns or practices that we're the ones who get triggered, so to speak. And it's our unhealthiness that begins to leash kind of lash out on other people. And it's because of the systems and because of the practices that we've been under and kind of formed by in a lot of ways. And maybe there's some things within me that God wants to do a work on. And maybe there's some things within the systems around us. Maybe there's some things within the world around us or relationship on someone else's end. But the reality is anger needs to be that flashing warning light that says something's not right and to recognize that and go, okay, I need God to be in this moment with me. Most of us get angry we want to leave God in the car, in the back seat. I'm going to go take care of something, God. Be right back. And that's where we want to go. And no, no, in that moment, what we need is for God to go with us, so that anger doesn't get the best of us. Anger in itself is not sinful. It's a signal that something's wrong, and what we do with it will either be right or wrong, sinful or not. Anger tells us, listen, something's. Uh, your pulse quickens. Your heartbeat goes faster. Something's not right. It's this warning emotion. Now, we can direct our anger toward good. Maybe you've heard the story. In 1979, a young man named Marcus Brown was 18 years old. He was killed by a drunk driver in a Florida highway. His mother, Becky Brown, channeled her grief and anger into action and formed a local coalition of parents who had lost children to drunk driving, began the campaign to increase awareness and prevention. That group was mad. Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And throughout the last 30-some years, they have been proponents of changing laws and helping probably thousands upon thousands of others avoid being injured or hurt or killed because they redirected this righteous kind of anger in a way that provided help and hope instead of allowing it to detour them in a way that takes a rank, Jesus arrives at the temple and he found money changers, exploiting the poor and crowding out those who were seeking to be close to God. And he forms a whip, grabs a whip, drives them out of the temple. Righteous anger, why? Because the temple was meant to be for people to come, to connect with God. Don't put barriers in front of people who want to connect with God. When the temple courts were cleared, Matthew tells us the blind, the lame, the children came and were ministered to. Jesus exercised righteous anger. So anger often, if not exercised in a way to help, actually just lashes out in a hurtful way. In fact, here's the takeaway truth for today. Anger becomes sinful when it becomes hurtful instead of helpful. That's what we need to hold on to. What Jesus is driving to here is when you get angry, let it turn you to be helpful instead of driving you to be hurtful to the relationships around you. You've heard it said and from people long ago, you shouldn't murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment, but I tell you, anyone who gets angry with a brother or sister is also subject to that judgment. So don't let anger drive you more than it should be. Most of us are not likely to commit murder when things don't go our way, but in a lot of ways we know how to hurt people, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So mismanaged heat can be destructive in the way it goes about things. I've heard often uh, people and counselors that I've been to and I've read about who will say people respond in anger in a couple different ways. They are either rhinos or porcupines. They're rhinoceroses. They're rhinos. People are like rhinos. They're aggressive. They will, when they are attacked, they will attack back, you know, with their horn and try to let you know they're attacking you. Other people, when they have conflict or they are angry, they are like porcupines who are a little more passive. They withdraw and they curl up in a ball and they put out prickly quills. And no one can get close to them because they just kind of prick the relationships around them. While porcupine behavior is more socially acceptable, it's really just another form of hurtful and controlling behavior. And so the reality is we all have a way we deal with anger. Anger only becomes sinful when it goes to be hurtful instead of helpful. And that's the challenge for us. Now, a side note in here that I would be remiss if I didn't say. A mismanaged heat or anger unchecked can lead to abuse, especially in the home. Abuse is defined as one person in an intimate relationship trying to dominate or control another. Abuse isn't always physical. When we yell, swear, threaten, withhold, throw things, punch walls, and attempt to intimidate or control someone, that's abuse. And even if there isn't physical violence. And if that's going on in your home, it's wrong, it's sinful, and it needs to stop. If you're the perpetrator, get help or get out or both. If you're the one who's on the receiving end, you also need to get help. Get out or both. And we want to be a church that can walk with you through the challenges that you face. Anger becomes sinful when it turns from hurtful, or it becomes hurtful instead of helpful. And what Jesus is driving at here is don't let your anger become that mismanaged heat in you. And I don't know what might be going on in your life, what makes you mad these days. My hunch is if you and I went and sat and had coffee and we talked about, okay, over the last five years, we can all assess maybe anger has gone up. Maybe you're finding yourself more frustrated or more fearful or more angry in days and we can have a conversation about what drives that. Because my hunch is it's different for you than the person sitting next to you. And that's okay. But in those moments when you find anger kind of welling up within you, I want you to think, okay, this is a moment where the the lights are flashing and what I do next matters. That's what Jesus is striving to. What you do matters. And so maybe the best thing we can do when we find those moments is bring our anger to God first in prayer. Bring it to him honestly and completely. Because it's when we bring our anger to God, we can submit it to him. And he's able to help us in a productive way deal with this and maybe even steer it toward being helpful instead of hurtful. He can help us discover the unhealthy triggers. Uh, For some of us, listen, I'm going to be real honest. Um, I was a pretty good kid growing up. I'm a firstborn, and I was pretty good. I didn't really violate a whole lot of things. I was, I was a pretty good student. And what I didn't realize until I got in my 20s is that I was an angry person. I don't even know where that came from because I had a good family. Like, but there was a the perfectionist within me, maybe a perfectionist kind of culture within me that I grew up around began to drive some things where I was pretty judgmental to people around me. And I I could become the judge and the jury, and I was pretty good at it. And I would tell people, I would call people out on things. I wouldn't maybe even say it to their face, but I would prejudge them in a lot of ways. I don't think I'm alone in that. And it wasn't until I actually got into some counseling, because I'm a firm believer that you can need Jesus, coffee, and a counselor, and those are good things. I thought that would get a laugh. Okay, anyway. um, But the truth is, I think it got to work on some things within me in going through some counseling in myself of realizing, hey, here's some things, here's some habits and patterns and practices that I had instilled within me that were not right and were not necessary. And there were some perceptions of how I saw things and how I interpreted things that actually led me to be more angry than I needed to be. And so in working through that and through prayer with God and saying, God, I don't want to be an angry person. There was ways uh, in perfectionism that I expected perfection from myself and the people closest to me that is neither healthy nor right. And, and the reality is I had to come to grips with that. And I had to work on that. And my hunch is you may have to do some some legwork on yourself to get to healthier places, and it's okay. God can actually meet you in those places and help you recognize some triggers that you might have, that you can learn to take anger and frustration when it happens and turn it to be helpful, not hurtful. Because mismanaged heat is a dangerous thing. Now, managed heat is a beautiful thing and can do some amazing things. Managed heat in a microwave can produce dinner. Have you even lived if you've never had pizza rolls? Come on. Those are good things, people. That's managed heat and can do positive things. But mismanaged heat can do some dangerous things. When you're feeling angry, Recognize the warning light within yourself and then let your anger drive you to God first. God, I'm feeling this and I need your help to show me. Are there things within me that are unhealthy that need a touch and help from you in order to get to a healthier spot? Are there things within our family structure or the the system of which I work or or the, the environment of which I'm around that I can actually begin to do a helpful thing to the people around me to maybe help even advocate for the people around me who are dealing with frustration or fear or anger in themselves? how can I be helpful in this instead of hurtful? So bring your anger to God and let him help you manage that appropriately. That is what Jesus is driving to. And I think this is one of those things that no one likes to talk about, but the reality is we all deal with it. And what we want to is to deal with it in a healthy way. And so that's my prayer for you and for us is that we would be a people, we would be a church, that would allow allow conversations to happen where we can help one another with that. And so, Father, that's what I pray tonight, is uh, God, we want to to be people who are open with our emotions, who don't have to hide those or stuff those or, or detour those away. But God, we don't want unhealthy emotions in that. And anger is one of those things that the reality of the culture in which we live It can get stoked up in a way where it begins to not only run up within our own life, but begins to run over people. And God, we as your church don't want to be known as angry people. We want to be known as advocates of the love of God. And we can have a righteous anger when evil is at work around and we want to stop evil. and and put your hope and your light and your grace on display in a way that's necessary and needed. And we want to advocate for that. Uh, But we we don't want anger to damage relationships around us. And so would you help us to be people who forgive? Would you help us to be people who seek peace in our relationships? Would you help us to be people who recognize the warning lights when they begin to, to flicker in our own life and to seek help when we need it, to bring prayer to you and ask you to be at work within our lives. We wanna manage the heat well. We don't wanna have mismanaged heat. And so we're just asking, maybe in these next 10 seconds, God, as we just sit here quietly, we're gonna sing and lean into worship, God, But in these next 10 seconds, we just give you this space. Maybe do a little tap on the shoulder, an impression within a heart that's here watching online. God, would you speak into the lives gathered here? Maybe a next step for us. How are we doing? In our heart, deep within our heart, I ask my kids all the time, how's your heart? So friends, how's your heart tonight? Might God's grace and his love have a word for you? Holy Spirit, we invite you to nudge us, to move us, to be the kind of people that Jesus speaks about here in the Sermon on the Mount, to be the kind of people that model our lives after him, first and foremost.
2: Rendering on
3: So would you help us as a people to live more in alignment with how you've designed and desire us to be as we follow after you, Jesus. We want to be a people who are salt and light and a blessing to the people around us, a blessing to the world in which we live, the culture in which we navigate. don't want to stir up unnecessary hurt. We want to be helpful, and so would you help us in that, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. Everyone said. Amen. Amen. If you are standing at home, I can't see you, but if you're standing here, you can have a seat real quick. Because a couple quick announcements. And then we have raffles for mamas. So uh, we have some giveaways for that. So a couple quick things. Second Saturday, uh, food distribution is next Saturday. And so if you want to help us with that, that's an easy way to volunteer around here. Friday, we actually pack the food boxes at uh, Caring Ministries over Grant I-10 area. And then Saturday morning, 830, we actually give them out. We pray with people. Uh, how many of you got to pray with someone? Maybe this week we kind of challenged one another last week. I heard a few stories of that, so keep doing that. Let's let's kind of let that be a challenge that you get to pray with one person a week. Uh, I think that's a great challenge in a way we can be salt and light uh, to the world around us. So do that. Uh, we want to invite you to an old school church potluck. I wish I wish I had like old school clip art, but I didn't. I couldn't find anything. It was good, but uh, old school church potluck. So. Uh, Amy and I have signed up br- to bring the OG chicken pasta. It's pretty good. It's the OG. So, um,. Just going to let you know, we're bringing that, but we got like 25 people to bring a main dish, 25 people to bring a side dish. We're going to do a fundraiser that night, whether it be tip jars, it's free to get in. There's tip jars and a dessert auction. So if some of you here are like, man, you guys have never tasted my whatever dessert you have that's like this amazing thing ever, uh, I would like to bid on it. And so if you would just come tell Lyle or myself, uh, hey, I'd like to donate that to the dessert auction. And yes, I said, you use the word donate, donate that to the dessert auction. Uh, and we're gonna raise money for kids who are going to camp this summer. We've got five students that are going to high school camp, so all the money goes toward that. Uh, we would love to, to have you just hang out with us uh, the last, that is Memorial Day weekend, so if you're in town, you can do that. If you are not in town, you want to still contribute, you can actually go online and drop down in the, in the giving menu and you can give to uh, camp scholarships that way. So, Mamas, you got your tickets? I'm, I'm stirring around on ya. You draw a ticket out. So that one. You just have to draw a ticket. It's, I know. I believe in you. I believe in you. Okay. All right. The last four numbers nine. That's everybody. <laughs> I just wanted you to feel like you had hope. Okay. Uh, nine, three, nine, eight. Three, nine, eight. The last three. Three, nine, eight. I really thought this would go faster. Um, <laughs> three, nine, eight. Anyone? Really? Is that one of our kid volunteers, maybe? No, is that you? Perfect. Come on up. Sweet. You win this one. I guarantee you it's a good thing. Okay. Do you like Starbucks? Okay, perfect. It's a good thing that. You do their tea. Well, there, you're welcome. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. All right, we'll do another one. Micah, no, you're playing. Okay, Rich. <laughs> Okay, nine, I just want you to feel like you have hope. Okay, 403, the last three, 403, 403, 403, That's your wife who's volunteering. I just want you to know, David's not getting this for himself, he's getting it for Suzanne, who's working in our kids' ministry. So, thank you. I think she'll enjoy that. (laughs) Thank you, I appreciate the curtsy. So, that's very nice. So, all right, okay, nine. 401. 401. Anyone? Perfect. Come on up. All right. I think you're going to enjoy that as well. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to you. All right. Next one. We have three more. Nine. I just love doing that. 408. 408. 408. Perfect. Come on up. And I'm going to do another one. I'm waiting. OK. Nine. Three nine, 391. Happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you. Nope. You got it. Awesome. OK. Happy Mother's Day to you. There you go. And the grand finale. Like, if you haven't won yet, I, I guarantee you want this one. Nine. Last time I'm doing that joke. Okay. 392. 392. 392. Anyone? This is like $50 to gad about. You want this one. 392. Is that another kid volunteer? No, because that's 383. I remembered that one. That's Jen's. All right. I'm going to draw another one then. Okay. I said it was the last time. So just 404. 404. You got it. There you go. Happy Mother's Day. Too. Congratulations. Uh, all right. Thank y'all for being here. Thanks for tuning in online. If you are new, we'd love to meet you at the ten minute party. If not, hang out. May you be blessed. Uh, was there a dinner option tonight? El Taco Tote. Uh, If you uh, want to know where that's at, ask ask the guy who got the uh, girl gift, yeah, all right.